So I think we're live, and um, you know what we didn't discuss? We didn't talk about like how this would flow, so I'm going to wing it right now and basically say that this is the, the first preview uh, podcast for Pub Theology. I'm calling it Pub Theology Live. Should we stick with that name, or should we stick with something else? I like Pub, Pub Theology Live. Pub Theology Live. Is it going to be live? Well... I think that when we do these in the future, <laughs> we can make them live. <laughs> we can. I like make... it. Okay, great. I mean, you know, there's otherwise there's like the the pubcast or you know, but that okay. might be taken already. Exactly. So let's go with that. Um, let me. Uh, we should introduce ourselves just in case we decide to hear this. Uh, so I am I'm Reverend Ogan Holder. I am uh, senior minister of Unity on the River in. Uh, Newbury, no, Amesbury, Lord, they'll never forgive me if I get the city wrong, Amesbury, Massachusetts, but I live in Newburyport, and let's go around the circle, we got Tina, introduce yourself, Tina. Am I still sassy sidekick Tina on this? You could be whatever the hell you want. I, don't. <laughs> I tend to. I, I prefer queen of everything. Um, Except that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm Tina, and um, I'm an account manager as my job, but I, I also write and do many other things. Kind of a, a hummingbird. I'm curious about everything. But that's me. Good enough. We'll take that. And Brian. Hey all, Brian Burkoff. I'm a pastor and writer and uh, curator of conversations at the pub. I've written a book called Pub Theology, Beer, Conversation, and God. And have enjoyed lots of thoughtful conversation with the likes of Ogan and others on topics of life and faith. There you go. All right. Um, and the website is pubtheology.com. Is that your website? Is that the website? Pubtheology.com. Right. So I'm guessing that after we record these and you know put them up on SoundCloud, maybe just for the audio, we can we can either embed the video or the SoundCloud, um, you know, audio embed on the website somewhere. So Absolutely. Throw, throw up a page for the podcast somewhere on the site. Um, this is this is Pub Theology, so um, we are drinking this evening because um, usually we are, you know, in a pub somewhere and we're having beers and um, trying to fix the world. And I figured as a podcast we shouldn't be any different. So normally we would I would be drinking beer, but this is the festive. This is the festive season. This is the holidays, so I'm drinking eggnog. Ah. But, you know, not just ordinary eggnog. Eggnog infused with rum, there it is. rum from the homeland. Nice. Yes. What so. kind of eggnog is it? Have you tried the um, coconut milk eggnog? Okay. Uh, get away from me. That's not eggnog. That is. Yeah. If it's eggnog, it has to have milk and cream and eggs. Those are the three main ingredients of eggnog. None of this coconut milk crap. None of this soy nastiness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Nice. No. You're such a pure. <laughs> and, and, none of, and none of that nasty stuff the stores sell, you know, that has, like, you know, 28 ingredients and lots of chemicals and eggnog flavoring. No, this is from, like, a local dairy and the first three ingredients are eggs, milk, and cream. Okay, no preservatives, nothing. Total list of maybe seven ingredients. This is the good stuff. All right, so that's what I'm drinking tonight. How about you, Brian? What you got going on? Yeah, let's see. I've got a uh, Neapolitan milk stout here from uh, Saugatuck Brewing, a local brewery near me here in Michigan. And... Uh, Neapolitan, of course, stands for vanilla, chocolate, strawberry, so it's kind of an ice cream-flavored, heavier, Swedish stout. <clears throat> Good enough. I, so. I like the effect of Brian popping his top and pouring his glass like he's pouring in his glass like he's in a commercial. I, I know, right? We should all do that for effect next time. Don't okay. open up drinks till we get on here. Let's Real do point. that. Nice, nice touch. Um, and what are you drinking, Tina? Let me guess. It's going to be wine. What brand of wine are you drinking? What type? It's red. It's red wine. It's not remember. red wine? I don't remember. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's a cab. I just don't remember what the, the brand is. Okay. My apologies. 
You just pull the bottle from your, your private st- cellar and just pop something open. No, I pick things by pretty labels. Come on now. <laughs> As all wine connoisseurs do. By <laughs> <laughs> pretty labels. Look, honey, a duck. Let's get this <laughs> one. <laughs> the bad not... part is I don't remember if I like it or not the next time I drink it. Oh, my dear God. I know. See, this is, this is why you drink beers and you use... Uh, the app called Untapped. Ooh, ooh, Brian, you should reach out to them, see if they want to sponsor podcast. We do need them to sponsor. First of all, I need to set up my account. Well, you should do that. I got, <laughs> I, I, I got it. I got one set up. I'll reach out to them. I'll do that. I'll reach out to them. Do it. Say, We're doing this podcast. Yeah. We, you know, we should get some sponsorship with them. We do need some sponsorships. Absolutely. That's, that's and some brewery sponsorships. We'll, we'll drink and mention their beer during the podcast. There you go. My daughter's home. Hi, Joy. I'm talking to Tina. You know Tina. Hi, Joy. And Brian. Did you ever meet Brian? Maybe not. I don't think so. Hi, Joy. Back in D.C. He used to live in D.C. too. He's a guy that I used to go to do pub theology with. Nope. Okay. Never met him. How was that? It was good. All right. We're recording a podcast, so. <laughs> Toodles. Bye. Your, your burrito's on the kitchen counter. Can you record your podcast in the room to watch the TV? No. Go, go, go. She's kicking me out because she wants to watch TV. <laughs> no, I'm here because this is where the Wi-Fi signal is strongest. Bye. Okay. She's so much like you, Ogan. I know. All right. Um, Wait, Brian, so you you started the pub theology in D.C. and then you moved? I know. It's a tragic It's a tragic thing. Do they still do it in D.C.? Uh, well, Ogan and uh, our friend Jackie kept it going for a while, and then we did we did a few occasionals when I would visit town, and then uh, eventually we kind of uh, kind of ended it. But we did have a fun last hurrah where uh, PBS came out and recorded us uh, for a show they were doing on God at the Bar, so that was cool. Yeah, it was, and I and I wasn't able to make that, and I was not happy. Don't. It was not fun. My my brushwood fame out through the window. Um, so so it is. So um, Brian, why don't you like walk us through like if we were actually in the pub doing a? Yeah, great. So pub theology is the simple idea of gathering with friends and strangers around the table at a local uh, bar, pub, or brewery, and ordering a fine beverage and talking about issues of life and faith together. And we usually start off with something easy, kind of a warm-up question to get uh, get the juices flowing, get to know each other, uh, and so forth. So our opening question tonight is, what is your favorite part about this time of year? You're looking at it. <laughs> the stuff right here. The eggnog. The eggnog is my favorite part of the season. Now, because the first three ingredients are egg, milk, and cream, this stuff is very fattening. So I I make sure that I never start drinking it before December one. Um, like it it often hits the shelves around Thanksgiving time, so I give myself a little bit of a buffer. And, and do you have like a weekly cap, like how much eggnog you can buy in a week? Um, it w- probably would be a good idea if I did. Um, but yeah. I kind of don't, um, and and you know some places will sell out. Like if I want the really good um, stuff that's made on a farm, they would often sell out, so I get it while I can. Um, so no, I don't, I don't, I don't have a cap on no pun intended. I don't have a cap on how much I get. So far, let's see. It's December. What's today's date? The eighth. Yes. Yes. December 8th, um, this is, I am now on my third bottle. You know what would be a lot healthier is if you use the coconut milk no, one. I don't, I don't want to know what's going <laughs> on. There it is. It's not about health. It's not about health. It's about taste. What about, a, what about a cap on the rum? A cap on the rum. Well, there's a cap on the rum bottle. <laughs> oh, this comes well, off a lot. You're not just leaving it open? Um, no, not just leaving it open. It'll, it'll evaporate out. Um, the part, The important thing is to get the ratio right so that the, the taste of the rum. Um, yeah, now do you measure that or you eyeball it? Eyeball. You have to eyeball. Yeah. Um, so basically it's about, it's about I would say it's about three fingers of rum to a fist of eggnog. So so you see this is where the thing was. I started with... This is sounding really good. Rum and 
the Fist of Eggnog, and everybody's happy now. No doubt. Um, so, yep, that's it for me. Eggnog. Tina, what about you? Favorite favorite part of the year? Favorite? What's the question? Favorite. What is your favorite part about this time of year? There you go. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> kind of a way Grinch. To, yeah, sorry. Way to, way to overthink it. <laughs> um, kind of a Grinch. I, I guess the movies. I like Christmas movies. Ah, there you go. Have you seen any yet this month? Or anything you plan to see? <laughs> but I'm almost embarrassed to tell you. Please, um, please, don't be embarrassed. Okay, I don't know if Ogan was around for this, but... Um, after, after I got divorced, I went through this Seth Rogen phase where I swore I'd never get married again unless it was Seth Rogen. Oh, dear he, God. He just came out with that Christmas movie called The Night Before. Good. Oh, boy. I went to see it last weekend. And? It, if, if you like that kind of humor, it is absolutely hysterical. All right. Gotcha. So basically, basically juvenile humor. Yes, absolutely. Like gotcha. a 12-year-old boy. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. Yeah. But but I, my my favorite Christmas movie is It's a Wonderful Life, and I watch that every year. Classic. Is that the one with, that the one with Jimmy Stewart? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I like that one. I like that one too. I had a I had a really um, what's the word I want emotional response one year. I was watching it with Joy. She was about she was about six years old, and we were watching it, and all of a sudden, I get so overwhelmed with mm. the emotion. Of realizing how much I love this child sitting next to me, and I start crying. I'm blubbering. I can't stop myself, and I'm hugging her and crying. And all she's like, "Daddy, you're hurting me. You're hurting <laughs> me. What are you doing?" And I seriously, like a good ten minute cry. And every year after that, at Christmas time, she would be like, "Hey, Dad, remember that time we were watching this movie and couldn't stop crying? Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> Making memories." But it, that, I mean, that movie, make, it just makes you appreciate life, you know? It does. It, it does. And I think it was, I, I was at a time in my life when I um, was either taking life for granted or so stressed out or, you know, if my memory's correct, it might have been the Christmas before um, I went hell-bent into a spiritual crisis. So that mm -hmm. might have had something to do with it, too. I don't know. How about yourself, Brian? Yeah, that's a good question. Favorite part about this time of year? I mean, I like how you say your question was a good question. <laughs> I know. That's, that's not that's not self-serving at all. Well <laughs> You're thinking he came up with the question. He should have an answer right away. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> oh, way, to, way to go, dude! You nailed me. You nailed me. Keep that humility. Great, great question, Ogan. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> so, I think once we're past Thanksgiving and into December. I'm I'm game with the whole Christmas lights and you know decorations and getting the tree up and you know I've got four kids 12 and under so I try to enjoy it through their uh, lenses and you know it's fun putting decorations around the house and getting the tree set up and all that stuff I'm not listening to Christmas music yet though I feel like you know maybe next week I'll get into that and then have two weeks and call it good but Two, um, two recommendations for you on music. Pentatonix. Oh, yes. They've got a new uh, acapella Christmas album out. Uh, and Straight No Chaser. Mm. Oh, they're awesome, too. Also Excellent. another acapella group. They do an amazing... I posted it on Facebook a couple days ago. Uh, 12 Days of Christmas. You will laugh your butt off. Nice. We, oh. did, uh, we did Pentatonix Pandora channel while we put the tree up, so... My wife was way ahead of me on that one. I got, I got that. I got that running too on Pandora. Uh, oh, cool. you know what, Ogan? What? Two weeks ago, I went to see uh, Trans Siberian Orchestra. That's my big Christmas thing. I was so excited. Was Have you heard of them? Yes. Yes. Um, I've seen was... them. I've seen them live one year too. They, you know, they do a pretty good live show when you think about it. Consider. Yeah. The lights and graphics are amazing. Yes. Sometimes the music gets a little odd, but. Uh, <laughs> Good life show. <laughs> Good life show. Um, all right. Hey, number two, right? Let's do it. Let's go for it. Number two is a quote from Joseph Campbell, who said, Where you stumble, 
there your treasure lies. Where you stumble, there your treasure lies. And the follow-up uh, to that is discuss how you've learned from challenges or setbacks, and is it possible to cultivate this view in the midst of uh, a setback? I used to think where you stumble was where there was like a tree root growing in the way on the way to your treasure. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of like, I don't get what that means. Where you stumble, there your treasure lies. Does that mean like where you have, so so where you have a setback in life or a challenge is where is where the treasure of my life is? Or is it I, I, something like that? I mean, it's, it's a good... It's a good question. What is it? What does he actually mean by this? Though I like your idea of you know a, a root from a tree being in just the right spot, and then when you trip, you land like where the treasure map has the X, and you go from there. But I'm not sure that's quite what he had in mind. I don't know. I, don't know. I, I think I think when you stumble, that's your your biggest opportunity to learn. That's your biggest opportunity to acquire wisdom. Huh. Okay. Okay. I can. Let's go with that. I don't know that I'd call that my treasure, but let's go with that. <laughs> yeah, that's how I read it also, too. <laughs> well, I would... So, again, yes, I, I would agree that there's definitely value. You definitely learn. You know, I I always um, say to my congregants, um, the challenges that come in our lives are simply spiritual opportunities, opportunities to deepen ourselves spiritually, which I guess when you look at it from that perspective is... Yeah, it's it's where the growth lies. Um, when I but when I read treasure, I think I had maybe read it as, you know, some place we have in mind where we want to be or mm -hmm. where we want to get to, or like a reward, what we want to achieve, like a goal or something. Um, but I think it can I think it can go both ways. I can go both ways on this one. Yeah, because the way you mentioned it there, you could think of it as um, a treasure being something you value or in, in, are invested in, and maybe you're so focused on it that it's tripping you up, or that you know you're going headlong into it without uh, without thinking through everything. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know. That's what I was saying, but I like it though. That'll work too. <laughs> All right. <laughs> work too. But but back to the second part of the question, is it possible to cultivate this view in the midst of a setback? Not only I think it's possible, I think it's a view you should cultivate in general so that when you have setbacks, you know, you don't spiral down into, you know, like a state of feeling depressed or failure or being ashamed. If you if you walk with that attitude of every um every challenge is truly an opportunity, then you will almost relish when challenges come and setbacks come because they know you know they're getting you on your way. Okay. I, I hear Reverend Ogan speaking right now, but in reality I'm preaching. Ogan, I'm preaching. When yeah, right. So in the midst of it though, I mean it, that's easy to say and I like to think that I could stay at that level. But uh -huh. when you get in the midst of something really challenging it's hard. It's hard to stay at that level and, and to realize it that it's a gift. I just said what? it. What? never said it was easy. I just said you should do it. Thanks, Pastor. <laughs> You're welcome. <I'm> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I No, I mean, I, I, I hear you. I think, it, I think it's often the thing where you, you look back later and realize, man, you know, I really struggled with this, or this I messed this up, or I failed miserably on this project. But out of that, you know, I, I learned X, Y, and Z, or I had to fall back on resources I didn't know I had. Um, and you might be stretched in new ways. That's not to say you would choose to go through that thing for the sake of the learning. Right. But there can be something that you learn out of it kind of thing. But I agree with you, the word treasure is tricky. And what often happens in the midst of crisis is it's very it's very easy to lose track of the things that work best for us before we went into the crisis, like our spiritual practices, like our prayer and our meditation and our stuff like that. And and I'm not sitting here preaching that I've figured it out 
and perfected it because in the midst of crisis, you know, those I, those things go away from me too. Then I have to remember, wait, these these are the things that work. So rather than um, rather than let them go away, I should actually double down on those uh, when I'm in the midst of crisis. Again, yes, Tina, easier said than done, but you know, you know what the 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 three the three P's. The three P's to really good spiritual growth are no, I don't. practice, practice, practice. Ah. No, but I, I see your point in the fact that I think um, when you're in the midst of something like that, if you do, you know, practice your meditation and and find like your inner peace, you can see the gift. So to answer the question, yeah, Brian, I think in the midst of it, you can see if you have the mindset to, if you take a step back and. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to say control your emotions because you can't, but like kind of work through your emotions that you can, you're able to see the gift of it. Yeah, I think you made an important uh, point there. I think the uh, another P word, uh, perspective, is a key thing because when you are in the midst of something, and sometimes it's just hard and you can't do it, but if there is a way to leverage uh, or step out of whatever you're in the midst of and look at it from a different angle, I think you're right. It is possible to say, okay, this is really crummy, but let me step back. Let me turn it around. Let me see it. Maybe, maybe see it from someone else's view or whatever. Um, I think it's possible, but I think it's very difficult. Yeah, and it's it's. I think that's really the idea, or part of the idea behind behind faith, is that you you have that knowing, even if you can't see it or feel it. Hmm. Or, or even comprehend that you know this thing is happening for me. There's gonna be some good in this for me. There's gonna be an opportunity for growth, whatever. Um, the the fact that you can say, okay, I have faith that it's gonna be there, whether I can see it or understand it now, I think plays a part as well. I also think that it depends on the volume, like how big the thing is. I mean. Remember what I, you know, I'm a pretty said. forgiving person. No, 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 no. Remember what Master Yoda said. Size matters not. Rock spaceships makes no difference. Size matters not. Okay. Again, Boom. I hear you, Ogan. However, in Rock reality... <laughs> in, in reality, though, don't you think... You know, somebody, somebody you know, steals your cell phone from you... You, you have to deal with that, but you know you you lose a loved one to a drunk driver. Don't you think you have a harder time? You know you have to a lot more to process before you can find that inner peace. Oh sure, I I agree with you that there's that there's more to process, but the process I I believe the process of getting to the inner peace is the same. It may take longer, but it's also just as possible. You know you don't hear. Often when someone steals a cell phone, somebody says, I'm never going to get over this. But when something like, you know, a loved one is suddenly taken from us inexplicably, you do hear people say things like, I don't know how I'm going to get over this. But the truth of the matter is, A, yes, yes, you can. B, yes, you will. And C, yes, you do know how. It's just hard to cons uh, contemplate practicing those things in the midst of your grief. And here's the truth. It's okay not to. It's okay in the midst of the shock and the intense grief not to push yourselves, but to simply, you know, be with the grief, be with the anguish, and over time you'll get to a point where you can say, okay, I can tackle forgiveness. I can tackle whatever it is that I need you to get in it. To, yeah. So, so no, the, the, I don't think the, the only way the size matters for me is the, the time it takes, you know. Going back to Star Wars, and yes, I'm on the Star Wars frame of mind. How many, how many, how many days till the movie comes out? Ten more days. Um, so to be in Star Wars frame of mind, yes, it took Luke Skywalker a little bit longer to be able to develop the confidence and the skill to use a force to lift a spaceship as opposed to lift a rock. But you know, I think he got to that place eventually. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been able to, you know, do what he did to defeat Darth Vader. I feel very inspired now. I'm gonna be dropping. I'm gonna be dropping Star Wars all night. Just you two can defeat your inner <laughs> Vader. Exactly. 
Exactly. And and not not defeat, embrace. Because remember, that's the whole. That's the whole. That was Luke's whole journey to reconcile. Reconcile. Make peace with Vader, who ultimately was the one who destroyed the Emperor and saved the universe. So you need you need your Vader. You need your Vader. You need to reconcile with your Vader. Well done. Thank you very well much. Done. We're gonna have uh, all pub, all our, all Star Wars themed questions next week. By the way, on the sheet. Well, there there you go. There you go. Ah, my Padawan. So much to learn still. <laughs> All right, I'd say we move on to uh, I'd say we move on to Pope Francis here on uh, number three. Please. <laughs> a fearful Christian is a person who has not understood the message of Jesus. Agreed. Next question. There's yeah. been a lot of there's been a lot of fear of late, and uh, wondering how how does that. Why does that seem to sell so well, particularly in certain um, streams of Christianity, I guess you could say? Why the, why the obsession with fear? It's easier to control people when they're afraid. Yep. It, it is. It is. Yeah. Because they're thinking out of emotion. My my other my other favorite uh, favorite quote that is uh, similar to this uh, Thomas Merton, he said, um, anxiety is a mark of spiritual insecurity. Am I quoting that right? I don't remember it now. Sounds good. Yeah. I like it. Something something like that. And he was um, paraphrasing Jesus. Well, there you go. So, uh, but yeah, it's it's I I think that when we are fearful, as Tina was saying, it's easier for us to latch on to the easy solutions that somebody else proposes rather than do the hard work of stepping outside of our comfort zones. Um, uh, like you said, you know, I, I, think, I think this is like why, um, you know, Donald Trump is leading in the polls right now. He is... I think harnessing the fear energy that people have around things like terrorism, around things like people who are not like us, and and running with that, and folks are buying into it. Well, because he's 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 giving. <laughs> I'll probably get backlash to this, but not from you. But um, he's giving them a false sense of security with these obscure, ridiculous ideas. Yeah. Yes, it is. I think I, which I think really, not to jump ahead, but but question five, the quote that you have for question five, that there's a cult of ignorance in the United States, and there's always been. I truly think that that's why he's kind of leading in the in the polls because he's really um, he's really touching on so many people's yes. Ignorance, and not ignorance as in stupidity, ignorance as in a lack of knowledge, lack of education, mm. lack of simply, um, or, or, or rather the tendency to, here's what I believe, so I'm not going to look any further. Um, you know, right. And, we, and we, see this, we see this in, re, in, in religion and spirituality a lot when people perhaps, you know, lock into the, the religion of their upbringing or the understanding of their upbringing, and and even when they begin to doubt it, they're not willing to follow that doubt to see where it may take them. They just hold on even further and stay in that you know place of lack of knowledge of ignorance. I think that's fear-based too, though. Because oh, of course, yeah. Where does that lead me if if what I've thought all along is wrong? Exactly. And there's a fear of rejection from other people, from your family, from your spiritual community, from your friends. There's, you know, Well, it's an identity crisis. Who am I? If, if hmm. everything I believe is wrong, who, who am I now? But I don't know. Yeah, what about this? Uh, John Lennon said uh, that there are two basic motivating forces, fear and love. In other words, it's it's almost just it's a natural, innate sort of response we have to an external threat. You could say it's sort of an evolutionary. Wait, Lennon said that? I thought that was Jesus. 
<laughs> he paraphrased him. <laughs> Lennon, who, who, by the way, died 35 years ago today. Uh, That's right. That's right. That's right. But this idea that we, you know, it's this uh, built-in uh, thing that we've, you know, developed in a way, perhaps a survival mechanism um, over the millennia of development. And so it serves a survival sort of function. So... You know, if there's an animal that's a predator and you're near, it's good to be afraid because you'll do something that will help you stay alive. But I think what you were saying is also true, Ogan, that we are easily played by that emotion or by that instinct. So it triggers in us and then we don't respond rationally and we easily buy into those who are telling us to be afraid and now here's what you should do with that fear. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. It it is, um, but I um, I think uh, rationality will win out eventually. I think um, good sense will win out eventually. I think um, kindness and compassion will win out eventually. You know, someone uh, my daughter was my daughter said to me if if. Trump gets elected as president. Can we can we finally move to Barbados? Like you've always been talking about. And I said, I am tempting. Not, yeah, I said I'm not worried about him being elected. And this is the one advantage of us having this long political season leading up to elections. Like a lot of people complain about it. You know, the United States has one of the longest pre-election periods. Some countries, it's like a matter of weeks where you're allowed to do your campaign, and we, you know, we have a whole year and plus. Right. Uh, but I said this is a good thing, and I think um, uh, I'm I'm born this from Bill Maher. He said because we have all this time, we have a chance for people to really, really realize the crazy that some people are bringing. Like like if we had to pick a nominee tomorrow, yes, Trump will probably still get the nomination. But because we have all this time, he's going to keep saying crazier and crazier stuff. Right. And eventually people will realize, wait wait a minute, this, you know, it was fun when we started, but this is kind of like really getting scary now. Exactly. Like, you know when Dick Cheney's calling you out that uh, you've, you've right some, some kind of special <laughs> line. Right. Exactly. You know, how does the rest of the world view us right now? So... With- I, I, I think one half of them is laughing their heads off and the other half is shaking their heads in, in disbelief. And 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 I remember, uh, when was it, last week when they had the shoot-in in, in San Bernardino. I don't know if you guys saw this, but when the BBC in England was reporting on it, they led off with just another day in the United States. Oh, my this. gosh. And, you know... I can't blame them for saying that when we have, you know, we, we've had more mass shootings than we've had days in the year. When you think about it, <sighs> Tina, exactly. you sprung a tail. Tina <laughs> a tail. Oh my god! <laughs> what else was in this drink? Oh, time for a refill. Am I hallucinating? What? So what? So what do you think? Um, what do you think someone is misunderstanding? Why is Brian doesn't... amazed by the fact that a tail just sprung up behind you? <laughs> He's not paying attention. <laughs> oh, okay. It was... it was just weird. All right. Nice. So I'm interested in what, what do you think uh, a person is misunderstanding in the message of Jesus if they are filled with fear? What do you think the Pope's getting at here? Um, hmm. Well, it's like we were talking about earlier with the whole, you know, Jesus obviously got the, in the midst of crisis, you have to see that it's it's opportunity, it's a gift. You know, you have to stay in that, that peace space and, and just know that it's just all the way it's supposed to be. And I think we also get fearful when we think there's something to lose. Oh, attachment, uh, yeah. Great point. Yeah, and and uh, for some people, you know, whether it's it's the extreme view of of we're going to lose a way of life, you know, like like you know when the folks were objecting against um, um, 
equal rights for everyone, equal marriage rights for everyone. And they're protesting against same-sex marriage, saying it's an affront on Christianity. Um, you know, people of sane mind were responding, if two men or two women get married, how is it infringing upon your marriage? Like, how is it infringing upon the sanctity of what you hold true about about marriage? No one's no one's invading you know your bedroom. No one's asking you to live your marriage any differently. So it's this kind of irrational fear, you know, people saying marriage will never be the same again. Well, you know, as the comedian said, you know, if you've ever been married, if gay people want to be married, yeah, let them, let them, let them join the torture. It's really okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they want to take that on to go right ahead. Um, but yeah, I think when we really get in that place of thinking there's something to lose, then and we and we get and we get fearful and we feel threatened then we want to defend ourselves. And the thing is that often the thing, we, we imagine that there's something that we're going to lose and our imagination makes it real. And we, and we truly feel like threatened, you know, and I think this applies to, well, you know, let's, let's hit all the topics tonight. I think this applies to the whole gun control issue here. Yeah, jump it's, into it. It's, it states is that, you know, that idea that folks are, feeling like if we can't have a gun, we're losing our security. We're losing our ability to defend ourselves. And um, while while one can make a truth argument for that on some level, when you look at the statistics, and here's where facts are important, most people are going to be shot in their home by their own weapon or by somebody they know who's accidentally shot them with the weapon right. in their house. That's when the most shootings and accidental deaths occur. So is it worth it to defend this fear and this illusion of losing your security in the face of, yeah, I might accidentally shoot my child, or my child may accidentally shoot himself or herself because I've got this weapon in my home? You know, the insane arguments of, you know, if people were carrying guns, the, the shooting in San Bernardino would not have happened, or the shootings in Paris would not have happened because people can pull out their guns and 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 shoot the invaders and I'm like because that that's the last thing we need a bunch of scared panicked people pulling out guns yeah there would have been you more know. death there would have been more death exactly so you know the 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 rhetoric doesn't kind of make sense but again it's that I think fear of losing something um, yeah. yeah yeah and someone you know asked me why don't you know, why don't you, don't you want to protect your family, or don't you want to, you know, defend what you have, or whatever? And and I think you're exactly right that uh, chances of a gun in your own home working against you is greater than you know you using it to defend yourself. And if someone does show up into your home who is armed, uh, and you're not, chances are they're probably not there to kill you. Uh, but if you pull out a weapon, you yeah. just raise the stakes, and now they're going to be much more quick to use their own weapon against you than they would have otherwise. So I think, you know, it's not realistic to me that uh, having more weapons makes anything safer. I've always said if someone breaks into my house armed to rob me, my response is, let me help you take the TV out to your van. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I got help I got me home, help you. Yeah, I got homeowners insurance. I will gladly help you take this stuff out. Uh, kind of. Right. Well, and did you ever see that meme about? Did you ever see that post about? Um, do you you know instead of trying to toughen up your kid for a tough world, how about building a better world? Like this goes so much deeper than guns. It it goes through the yeah. whole. Why do we feel so unsafe? Yeah, we 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 do, and and this is not to you know, deny the fact that they are, I think, yeah, extremists out there, people who, who pervert the religion and use it as an excuse to commit acts of violence. And, I mean, that that's that's as old as time. And we saw it with the, with the Ku Klux Klan. You know, we, we're, we're seeing it now with, with, with uh, the rise of ISIL and the terrorism that's going on. Um, there will always be people who, who pervert something for their own... Um, gain and to use it as an excuse to 
enact violence and, and terrorism and, and stuff like that. But but the basis of it is an ideology, and you can't fight an ideology with weapons. Um, so, yeah, I think I think once we shift our idea that we have something to lose and everything to gain, um, I think we'll approach things a little bit differently. I, I'm just amazed because you bring up the the fact that you know a lot of these killings are based on religion. Every major religion is based in peace and love. How does it get to that point? Because, so I'll use Christianity as an example. I mean, if you read the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, it is chock full of violence. It okay. It's, it was a belief system at the time where, you know, their understanding of God was this deity that said, go out and commit wholesale genocide against people of other tribes because I'm giving you this land. Or, you know, or there were rules about if a person does this, you put them to death, and here's how you do it in this very detailed, meticulous way. So there are passages in the Bible that will tell you that. Now, the key is to keep reading and get into the New Testament where exactly. there's a different idea of love your neighbor as you love yourself. He who is without sin casts the first stone. So, so the idea and the relationship to God, even just in the Bible, evolves and continues to evolve. But the people who use religion as truly the excuse and the ideological um, stand to commit these acts of violence, they're stuck, I think, for example, in the Old Testament. In, in an earlier rendition that, that speaks to vengeance. Um, but that was how they interpreted God at the time. Yes, okay. <laughs> and they, and they continue a very tribal mentality. You know, it's yeah. us and our faith and them and their faith. And I think we saw that exemplified with this president of a you know, fairly large Christian university encouraging the entire student body to go and apply for a gun and a concealed carry permit and walk around armed so that just in case any Muslims show up uh, they can uh, do something about it which is just unreal that someone who claims to be a follower of Jesus can talk that way and have people applaud so here's here's my theory about that is that we know that if that happens what will most likely happen is that there will be some kind of accidental shoot-in and and one student is going to kill another student. I mean, that's that's yeah. You can read that right in on the wall. Or maybe it won't be accidental, Ogan. Maybe he'll they'll justify it for whatever reason, whatever cause. Even worse, yeah. Somebody loses their temper with another student. You know, the bear pong game goes wrong. Uh, there's something happens, and there's there's that shooting. Now, don't take this the wrong way, but I'm a fan of calling the herd. So if you know <laughs> if they take themselves out <laughs> don't quote me on that. We may not we may not be here. No quoting. <laughs> in all seriousness, no, that that is that idea is insane on so many levels that I can't it's like the Darwin Award. I can't exactly. Yeah. Exactly what it is. I can't even begin to, to, to formulate a defense against it because it is so ludicrous. It is so ludicrous. So how do you think we counter, sorry Tina, uh, how do we counter this narrative of fear that does seem to be pervading our ostensibly majority Christian culture? Hmm. That is a good question. Apparently the facts don't work. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know what we have in the face of facts other than other than to remind them of Jesus' message. If, if, if we're calling ourselves Christian, that basically means we're yeah. following the teachings of Jesus. And Jesus didn't say, if you're struck, strike back. He said, turn the other cheek. Um, you know, he said, forgive 70 times 7. Love your neighbors, you love yourself. Yeah, there's, there's nothing in Jesus' rhetoric that speaks violence. I mean, you know, except and the fact. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and neither yes. let them be afraid. Exactly, exactly. Well, while I hear what both of you are saying, Hogan, you said it earlier. People decide what they want to believe, and then they, they collect facts to build around it, to, yes. to protect them with a wall, uh, to, you know, to protect what they believe. And it's that, it's that whole thing that 
we're building our own God in our image. So, you know, those the, the people people are going to build God in the image that they see themselves. So, unless we like work on the inner inside, you know, like it's the self-esteem, the being able to be vulnerable, like all that stuff, that is so hard to to work on with somebody who thinks they're justified in the way they think. Yeah, it, it is. It is. It is. But we gotta, you know, again, I, I, I feel I'm I'm with Brian. It's it's ludicrous to believe that someone could take take the Christian message, not the not the Old Testament message, but take the Christian message and use it as a justification to to arm and, and, and be violent. Um and I I here's I, I, I spoke about this uh, this past Sunday um, at church and um, if you want to see it shameless plug for my shameless plug for my service uh, <laughs> go to go to go to livestream.com slash UOTR for unity on the river or soundcloud.com UOTR slash UOTR one of the things I talked about is that I believe in that our consciousness, the collective consciousness of humanity, is evolving, and and evolving for the better. And we and we see this, we see this when we look back at the last, you know, fifty to hundred years. Things like, uh, you know, equal equality for women, uh, equality for races, equality for uh, uh, folks of different sexual orientation. You know, we, we, we see this on a, on a mass scale. Do we still have individual issues to work out? Absolutely. But we see the consciousness evolving. And I think as the consciousness evolves, those who are not wanting to evolve are going to be the most vocal and be the most um, visible in trying to prevent the change. They're basically acting out like two-year-olds not getting their way. Oh, yeah. Um, is, is what's happening. But for me, I take that as a good sign. I take that as a good sign because it means that the evolution of consciousness is proceeding and it's, it's getting is it's happening. It's happening faster. We're getting closer to that point where there is that massive shift into our new way of being. And and folks who are who are stuck in the old way of being because they're afraid of the change are the ones acting out. They're the ones committing the acts of violence. But I think we'll I think we'll reach that tipping point. We're going to reach that tipping point where we do collectively say enough is enough. And it's happened in other developing countries. You don't get mass shootings in Australia because, you know, I think 40, 50 years ago, there was such a horrific mass shooting that everybody of both political parties said enough is enough and they banned, they banned assault weapons. And we don't right. get mass shootings in other developed countries because they got to that point. We're going to get to that tipping point, too. You know, we just happen to have this whole thing in our Constitution about the right to bear arms, which, again, made sense at the time it was written. <laughs> context, people, context. Yeah, I, th who, I, I saw something, uh, Michael Shea, I think, on uh, Saturday Night Live uh, said something about the Constitution. Uh, it's, like your old, it's like your grandfather, you know, he's old and he's wise and has a lot of good things to say, but sometimes he just keeps talking and... Yeah, <laughs> and, you, and, and you just you just got to wonder about him a little bit. Exactly, exactly. So, so I mean, when when you're trying to grow, when you're trying to start and plant a new nation, and there's another invading country, yes, it makes sense that you have the right to bear arms. That made sense at the time. Now, no one's you know no one's invading us. People would try to make the argue that they are, but. Really, nobody well, and, the, and the reality of the kinds of weapons that existed when that was written. You could have the same kinds of weapons as your government. Once yeah. we started developing tanks and surface-to-air missiles and nuclear exactly. weapons, the idea that you can defend yourself against any government uh, military, let alone the strongest military in the history of the world, is a joke. Yeah, back then, in the time it took you to reload the musket, you talk, you could talk the guy down. You know? <laughs> exactly right. You, you had time on your hands. Do yeah. I have enough powder in here? Exactly. Exactly. So. We don't, no, I, I've heard some people compare it to to Germany. To you know that 
that the, one of the first things Hitler did was take the guns away. But Brian, you have a very good point. It doesn't matter if we have guns. I mean, there are there are things we haven't even heard of that they're playing around with that could probably wipe us out in a second. I mean, right. It's a false sense so, of security. So do you think some of the stuff we see is sort of like growing pains in this uh, expanding consciousness toward a more peaceful um, coexistence? Uh, um, not uh, growing pains from the perspective of 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 the folks who don't want change, who do not right. want to evolve, are basically, you know, it's like nails on a chalkboard or, or the nails at the edge of a cliff. They see it coming... They feel helpless because they don't want to change, so it's lashing out. You know, it's it's lashing out is is kind of what it is to so try to preserve a way of life that, you know, it's inevitable. It, you know, change is inevitable. So so there's it's it's gonna evolve whether they are on board or not. So what happens to them? Um, I believe I forget who said this, but. Um, someone said true change true change occurs one death at a time not that we go and kill people no but eventually they're talking about generational change right so eventually uh, folks get old and die off <laughs> and and folks who are younger who are more open minded you know um, I remember re reading a survey that they took of, of young republicans who said, yeah, this whole gay marriage thing, this 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 isn't a matter for us. We're fine with it. You know, it's it, it's really okay. Um, when we look at the Republican debates that are happening, you know, as crazy a sideshow as it is, you know, and and absurd the questions are, you know, people like like John Kasich saying, yeah, if my friend's gay and he's getting married, of course I'm going to his wedding. He's my friend and I'm, and I love him. I'm going to support him. You know, whatever he chooses to do is his business. Whether I whether I agree that two people should get married or not, it's the friendship trumps that. So 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 for him no to say intended. that, yeah, exactly. For him for <laughs> him to say that, you know, on that platform, it, it gave me hope, you know. And he got booed when he said it, which is crazy. But did but, he really? Yeah, some people booed him, but some people were also cheering him. Good. You know, it was it was it was a divided response. But what I'm saying is is the evolution the change is going to happen. Sometimes it happens from the bottom up, but sometimes it also happens from the top down, which is, you know, why we had uh, the Supreme Court saying, yeah, we're going to legalize same-sex marriage whether you like it or not. Um, yeah. And and I think I think eventually we may have to get to that point with with around the issue of guns. I don't think we will. I think it'll it'll be both from top down and from bottom up, and there's enough bottom up action trying to happen. There's enough folks who are saying, you know, enough is enough. We, we're getting tired of this. It's it's crazy. It's nuts. Um, and unfortunately, it may continue to get worse before it gets better. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it definitely there'll be some some grassroots, and already is and has been, but it's escalating. The people who are fed up with uh, the constant. Um, shootings that we're hearing about all the time and not just individuals being shot but mass shootings um, and so I think the popular sentiment for more um, reasonable uh, gun legislation, gun control is way on the upswing um, even if elected leaders aren't acting in concert with that I think eventually people will vote in people who will help enact those changes so it will be a little of both uh, Bottom up and top down, but the bottom up is where the greater energy has to come from. I I agree. Well, we've been going uh, I think about an hour now. Anything else we want to hit here? Uh, no, I think I think I think we kind of covered it all. Um, so so, what do you guys think moving forward? Should we should we keep it to the three of us? Should we like invite? Um, people, different people, to join us as we move forward. Um, you know, whether it's every week or randomly, or how often we do this. How often are we going to do this? We never talked about that. Great question. <laughs> yes, it was, and and I asked it, and <laughs> I, will, I will agree with you. <laughs> I'm I'm open. I mean, I think it'd be fun to it'd be fun to get a little bit of our our own familiarity with each other. Could uh -huh. be good, but I'm 
I think it could be very fun to invite people to join us for particular topics. And, um, are you are you really thinking about doing this live? Yeah, I, I'm 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 considering so like when we're doing it now, yeah, setting the setting the broadcast, the public, so that folks can watch, perhaps, you know, weigh in and tweet in questions. Questions, tweet stuff. Yeah. Um why like not? It. So so it's not just us, you know, posting after the fact. I'm just I'm just wondering um what day a week in time you would set it for then. Um, whenever we can do it, <laughs> I think. Uh, I think. It, I, I. I don't know. Um, if this time works for people, for for all three of us, we can keep it to this time. Um, and again, even if we're doing it, um, even if it we we have to wait till the beginning of the week and check in with each other. Hey, you know, Tuesday night working good. And some of us say, no, it can't. Can we reschedule it for, like, Thursday? And we do it on Thursday. You know, we still do it live, and we still put it up there on the, you know, the website, Facebook, whatever. You know, this week we're doing it Thursday. Tune in. I think I think we're still probably going to get the vast majority of listenership after the fact when we post the audio or the video. So um, we If we do it on a Monday or Wednesday, I can uh, tune in live from uh, from the bar. And there'll be a little bit of bar ambiance, and <laughs> ah, ah, ah. that could work. How's the bar Wi-Fi? Uh, decent, yeah. Okay, well, we we can maybe try. And otherwise, I have my hotspot, which is how I'm on internet at home. So we we can maybe try it one night and see how that would work. I'm a game to try anything. Um, so yeah, let's go. Let's let's do that. How about we we uh, we always plan for the three of us, and maybe if there's a, a topic that you know somebody who is well versed on, or you know you just happen to have somebody who wants to sit in with us, so that we can have more of a yeah like a you know a pub setting with about you know six seven people. I think hangouts can take what up to nine people. To change that. Or still about nine. We also got to remember though that the more people on the call, the more the more uh, bandwidth is going to be hogged up, and mm -hmm. the quality goes down. So I'd say okay. max it up, max it out at like five or six people. Yeah, and I, I think it's a little different to sit around a, a pub table and have seven people, but on the radio, I can see that getting a little difficult. Good not, point. Not, not if we all keep ingesting. While we talk, because and encouraging listeners to do so. Exactly, that will, that will loosen <laughs> within that will moderation. Loosen, within moderation, everything Always. in moderation, even moderation. Always in moderation, um, as we all drain our. I know. <laughs> well, this this got empty a while ago. Um, so. What? Uh, you need a backup drink. <laughs> you know, this is my third glass of eggnog for the day. I. I don't think I should be drinking any more eggnog. I'll be like 300 pounds before the new year. Yeah, you got to call that. Yeah, I got to I got to watch that. Usually for me December's a wash. Like I don't even try to fight it in December. <laughs> it means Thanksgiving and Christmas, there's too much good stuff to eat, too much good stuff to drink like the eggnog. So, I say, you know what? I got 11 more months to you know, counteract it. It's just a wash. So you write it off. It's the way to go. There you go. There you go. All right, so are we, we feel good to wrap up? That's all she wrote? It's a wrap, I think. Uh, great stuff, guys. All right, so we'll, we will uh, – I'll hit, I'll hit stop in a second, um, but I'll sign off and say this has been the preview episode of – what are we calling it again? Pub Theology Live. <laughs> and it's we want the, music next time. It's the, it's the working title. See, music is a whole different thing because then I gotta I gotta hollow the mixer and plug wires all over the place. You have to go out with a bang, Ogan. Can I not add the music in post edit in <laughs> for the podcast? That that would be yeah, a do whole it for lot. The, add it for the podcast. I'm fine with that. That would be a whole lot easier to do it. And a little bit of crowd ambiance that you can sort of mix in there. There you go. I can, I can do all kinds of different things. You know, if if I had the mixer, you know, we could do like sound effects, applauses, and you know, all that kind of stuff. But but yeah, we can add music after the fact. Also, edit it to make me sound very wise. 
No, no one's made that kind of equipment yet. I think that was a big Brian. <laughs> Ouch. He set I'll remind you up. next time. He set himself up. All right, I'm gonna we're gonna sign off. Don't All right, wait, 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 don't y'all go anywhere. I'm just stopping the recording. <laughs>